you're tuned to More Living with Jim Brogan, broadcasted live from the Brogan Financial Studios at News Talk 98.7, where old-fashioned values, expert knowledge, and genuine understanding come together to give you the retirement straight talk you deserve. Jim's a former National Advisor of the Year recipient and a financial educator. And he's here today to talk about how you can live out the best years of your life. Jim and the Brogan Financial Team have been helping retirees and pre-retirees across the Southeast for almost 20 years in their pursuit of financial independence. You can reach them during the week at 865-862-6800. So sit back, relax, and get ready to learn, folks, because more living with Jim Brogan starts now. Good Saturday, East Tennessee, and welcome to More Living with Jim Brogan, where it's all about living the best years of your life your way. This is News Talk 98.7 WOKI, and we are getting ready for tax season. It's It's so hard to believe we're already into March, and that means it's time to really, if you haven't already started, you'll be starting tax preparation uh, pretty soon. So I have a question for you. Will your tax burden decrease in retirement once you stop receiving a paycheck? You know, it may not. It actually maybe will increase. You know, between retirement account distributions, which of course are taxable, Social Security benefits, investment income, you may have reasons to review your tax strategy in retirement. We may be experiencing relatively low tax rates right now, but with the trillions of COVID stimulus money from Congress and from Washington and a growing national debt, don't be surprised if we see higher tax rates in the future. So we're going to discuss all of these factors and what you can do to minimize your tax burden in retirement on our show today. Or if you're not retired, what can you be doing? So if you have questions, you're in the right place. And here's what we're going to cover in today's show. We're going to talk about why we could see tax increases in the future. We're going to talk about some long-term strategies to minimize income taxes. We're going to talk about ways that if you're over 50 years old, how you can reduce your taxes with things you can do today, even if you're still working. And then we'll talk about how retirement accounts are going to be taxed when you turn 72. So we're kind of here to answer retirement questions you may have. And I do want you to know that, you know, we can help you with all areas of retirement planning. That's one of the big reasons that I do this show is to bring you things on a weekly basis uh, that can help you make wise decisions to improve the quality of your financial life. And, you know, today's a financial-oriented show. We're going to talk about tax planning. You know, when I have, you know, I do this about every three or four weeks. We do a show just on finance or or the economy or on taxes or something that's kind of in my wheelhouse. Uh, But then on the other shows we do, you know, we've had the, recently in February, we had both the county and city mayors on. I always do a dollars and cents segment just to bring you good tips that you can hopefully implement to be successful. So that's what I'm all about. So use our resources online at Uh, broganfinancial.com. We're always publishing blogs, video blogs, uh, other content that you can listen to on our podcast page. So, you know, do do tune in and and learn as much as you can. But let's, let's dive into taxes in retirement. 
let's start with what's going on in the world. You know, the we're looking at additional stimulus from Congress. Uh, even without the new spending, the national debt is on track to exceed the size of the entire U.S. economy in 2021. And, you know, I'm not, please don't misunderstand me, I'm not saying that this a lot of this stimulus is not needed. You know, we were in a crisis and still are in a crisis in America. And I'm going to draw some parallels with World War II. But, you know, we, we, we've got to face the reality of what that means for the long term. So, you know, government spending increased due to COVID-19. You know, we had the $2.2 trillion CARES Act last year. And now something probably going to end up being in the neighborhood of $2 trillion, $1.9, something like that. So, <clears throat> excuse me, let's look back to World War II. During World War II, when we had crisis and the government needed to spend money, the government spent a significant amount and public debt rose to over 100% the size of the economy. So this is what we really want to think about when we look at how large is our debt really. You know, it's easy to say a $25 trillion debt is a ridiculous number, and it's, it's, it's larger than any time in it throughout history. But you really can't r compare that number with a number from the 70s or the 80s and certainly not from the 40s. So what we really should be looking at is what was the size of the economy throughout history and how much did we owe relative to the size of the economy. Let's call that debt to GDP, debt to gross domestic product. So we were over 100% debt to GDP at the end of World War II. And then guess what we saw with income taxes? The highest income tax on our record for federal income tax was in 1946. And it was 94%. And for an 18-year period from 1946 to 1964, the highest income tax bracket was over 80%. And for most of those years, it was over 90%. So we really have to kind of think about where income taxes have been. We think about the 70s. We had, you know, we had the hyperinflation. We had a bear market in 73, 74. The highest income tax rate was 70%. And for six years of the 80s, it was 50%. Then in 1986, it went down to 28%, and it's been under 40% ever since. So if we really look at what's happened historically with our tax rates, we see that when government spending need to increase due to, due to crisis, we borrowed money. You know, we did it in World War I, for that matter. And then, you know, the budget deficit went down in the, in the, in the roaring 20s. You know, our debt, excuse me, our debt went down. Then it went back up in the 30s with the Great Depression, and then, of course, the 40s with World War II. So we do have precedence with all of this. Now, in Washington currently, so President Biden has shown support for a number of tax-increasing measures, such as eliminating the favorable treatment for long-term capital gains for those that are over a million dollars in income, but I'll tell you, that to me is kind of opening up Pandora's box. It's like when we started the Income Tax Act in 1913, it was very simple. Not many people paid it, and the highest tax rate was 7%. And, now, and it was a one-page return. Now we have 
an incredibly calm, I mean, you really have to have a PhD almost to understand the tax code. But we opened up Pandora's box. Uh, President Biden has also talked about limiting the value of itemized deductions for people uh, that, that make a lot of money. So they, they don't get the full value of itemized deductions. And then he's talked about increasing payroll tax on earnings over $400,000. But, you know, I've been asked a lot recently, Jim, what's going to happen to income tax rates? Everybody's concerned about it that I talk to. And I'll tell you, I think in the next two years, in the short term, um, I'm not as worried about it in the short term as I am the long term. I think there could be tax increases in the short term for the wealthy or the highest income earners. I think people over 400000 in income, it could happen. I don't see anything dramatic happening before 2022 in this current congressional cycle because the Senate and the House is so closely divided. And I don't think there would be uniformity in the Democratic Party to to pass something very progressive. And increasing taxes on middle-income Americans in the midst of a recession would, in my view, be viewed as a very progressive tax policy. But when we look at the longer term, our our debt is going to continue to grow. And we could be staring down the barrel at 120, 130% debt to GDP, uh, or even higher. So we're starting to get into a danger zone. And I think the long-term challenge, regardless of who's in Washington, over the next five to 10 years, could be problematic for for our income tax environment. And then think about it historically, what I just said earlier. You know, our, in, our highest income tax bracket has been under 40% since 1986. Historically, we haven't seen that kind of tax rate since the 20s. So in the context of federal income taxes, our tax rates today are very low compared to where they've been historically. Yet our debt is just approaching an all-time high uh, and right up there with where we were after World War II. So something's kind of got to give, right? Now, after World War II, there was a huge budget surplus in 47 and 48. I think they're the two biggest surpluses on record since 1900. So the, the debt came, immediately came down. But that is not at all what's projected over these next few years. It's, conti- it's projected to continue to increase. So at some point, something's got to kind of give a little bit. And so I think what I'm trying to really build here is... I think you should have an expectation that in the next five to ten years, our tax code will change and could change pretty dramatically. And the traditional thinking of you're going to retire with less taxable income and therefore pay a lower income tax when you're retired, I think you might have to rethink that. First off, your taxable income may not go down much. It may actually go up especially when you get to 72 years old and have to take required minimum distributions from your retirement accounts. But then tax rates could also really skyrocket. Now, we've already got a guaranteed tax increase in 2026 because the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act from 2017 expires on the personal income side. But what else could happen? So bottom line, I can't guarantee it's going to happen. I think it's very likely our tax system could change, and maybe pretty dramatically. 
So in our next segment, I really want to kind of dive into what are some smart things that you can do now to minimize your income taxes in the over the long term? How much tax do you pay now? How much ta- tax might you pay tomorrow? Perfect time to be talking about this because we're starting uh, to get everything together and file our income tax returns for 2020. But let's look to the future. How can you save on your largest expense you and I will ever have, which for almost all of us, it's our income taxes. So stay tuned. When we come back, I'm going to dive into long-term tax minimization. Stay with us. You're listening to More Living with Jim Brogan here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Welcome back to News Talk 98.7's Brogan Financial Studios, where Jim Brogan is coming to you live with important news and advice to help you achieve your dream retirement. Get ready to learn and live. Here's your host, Jim Brogan. Thanks for tuning in to More Living here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. I'm Jim Brogan, your host, and we come to you every Saturday at 9 a.m. and again at 3 p.m. If you've missed part of the show or or, going to miss part, you can always catch our podcast. We always have it up, usually Monday, if not Tuesday. Uh, you can go to broganfinancial.com and click on radio for more information. We're talking about taxes. This is the time of year we start getting together our taxes. And in that first segment, I talked about the likelihood taxes are going to go up in the future. And the old traditional thinking of, well, when I retire, my income taxes will be lower, is really being challenged today. Because first off, your taxable income may be higher than you realize, especially once you're age 72 and have to take distributions from your retirement accounts. But then I also talked, of course, about the likelihood tax rates will go up. So let's let's dive into long-term tax minimization. You know, your tax situation may change as you enter retirement. Now, your taxable earned income could go down, but what's it going to be replaced with? How are you going to replace your earned income? So you're going to have potentially Social Security income. Now, the taxation of Social Security income depends on all of your other income. You know, it could be none of your Social Security income is taxed, and it could be 85% of it is taxed. In the current code, Uh, No matter how much you make in retirement, 15% of your Social Security income is tax-free. But where do you pull income from? How does that show up on your income tax return? How does your investment distributions, you know, if you make dividends or capital gains, how do those show up on your tax return, or do they? You could also lose out on tax breaks if you no longer have dependents or if you no longer take the mortgage interest deduction. But there may be new taxes uh, that you may be eligible for. So, you know, the big thing is that I'm going to get into in this segment is that starting at age 72, you've got these required minimum distributions from retirement accounts. So your IRAs, 401k, 403bs, these are great places to accumulate money. Because as those accounts are growing, you're not, you're not being taxed on the accounts as they grow. Everything that happens inside that IRA, 401k, 403b is sheltered from income taxes. 
you know, think about it this way. When you're 52 and you're working and your 401k is growing, you don't get a 1099 every year from your 401k. I mean, those, if you have mutual funds in there, I'm sure they had capital gain distributions in December because they're required to send out net capital gains distributions for the year. But you weren't taxed on them because they're in the tax shelter. So those are great places to accumulate money. You don't have that drag of income taxes every year as the accounts are growing. But it becomes problematic because, you know, most of your money in your retirement accounts, you've not paid any of the income tax, or if you have, it's been very, very little. So one good way to look at those retirement accounts is you have a partner, and your partner is Uncle Sam. And Uncle Sam has to eventually get paid. And the way that happens is at 72, the IRS forces you to take money out, and you get a 1099 on that distribution. And most of it, if not all of it, is taxed as ordinary income tax. You do not get long-term capital gains rates on anything coming out of an IRA. So you're going to lose some tax control at age 72. The distribution that's required is right around 4%. It's slightly less than 4. When you're 73, it's slightly more than 4%, and it goes up from there. But think about all your retirement accounts, add them together, figure about 4% of that. So that gives you a little bit of an idea of what, what taxable income is going to get added to your tax return every year once you're 72. Well, there's this sweet spot that a lot of retirees have between retirement age and age 72. And that sweet spot, because you don't have required distributions from your retirement account, if you structure income and investments the right way, many people that I meet with in my office or virtually on Zoom, many people I talk to, many of our clients are able to keep their tax rates Their taxable income is a better way to say it. Their taxable income very, very low. Even high net worth individuals, if they wanted, could some that I've met and work with could keep their income tax tax, 0% income tax in this sweet spot between retirement age and age 72. But is it smart to keep yourself in a 0 or 10 or 12% income tax bracket? I mean, is that even smart? Think about this. I mean, it makes sense to reduce taxes now, but what's the cost later on? So we have some opportunities in this sweet spot because if we structure things properly, we can maybe intentionally start creating some taxable income that is either not taxed at, not taxed at all right now or is taxed at a very, very low rate. Because we know that once we're 72, we're going to lose some of that control. And taxes are likely to be higher in the future. Well, they will be higher in 2026 under the current law. So I know a lot of people that could do things like Roth conversion in a 10 or 12% tax rate. When once they're 72, they're, you know, if that's 2026 or beyond, they're, they're going to be 25% or higher the rest of their life. Well, if you can pay tax at 10 or 12% now, and it would be 25% later, well, it's almost like they're on sale now. Now, it's not a slam dunk. Don't take me too far with that because, you know, can you afford to pay the income tax? You know, your investment base is going to go down more early in retirement if you're doing Roth conversion. 
And you got to be really careful. If your income, if your investment base goes down too much in those first five to ten years, it could be catastrophic. So, you know, there are a lot of people that I meet. There, are, I don't want to say a lot. There are some people I meet with that could do Roth conversion, and in the long haul, you may say, hey, it'll reduce their tax burden, but they can't afford to do it because it would hit their savings too hard. Their investment base would go down too much early on in retirement because of their because of the tax burden. So it's got to be very, very carefully measured and calculated. Now, the other opportunity that many people have in this sweet spot between retirement age and age 72 is taking long-term capital gains. Now, I'll say that doesn't stop at age 72. Under the current law, for almost everybody in retirement, long-term capital gains are significantly better than ordinary income. So are your investments structured in such a way that you can take advantage of long-term capital gains? You know, I'll give you an example. I met about a month ago with a high net worth couple that walked into my office and they had a pretty good investment base inside their IRAs and they had a pretty good investment base outside the IRAs. Inside the IRA was all things like mutual funds and stocks, capital investments that receive potentially capital gains tax treatment. The only problem is you don't get that in an IRA. Everything coming out of an IRA is taxed as ordinary income. And then in their non-IRA investments, they largely had things that pay interest, things like bank holdings. So they're not getting capital gains tax treatment there either. Well, that's a problem because capital gains can be a great thing. I mean, many people in this sweet spot in the early years of retirement before they're 72 could get 0% tax treatment on capital gains. Many people don't, most people I talk to aren't even aware of that, that there is a 0% tax rate in the Internal Revenue Code, and it's for, it's for long-term capital gains up to certain limits. So you've got to understand the opportunities you may have in those early years of retirement. You know, taking capital gains at a 0% tax rate is an absolute no-brainer. Are you doing tax planning every year in the fall? You know, this, this, this exercise we do every, every year this year in March You know, I'm talking about income taxes because we do our tax preparation this year in March. And so this is when we're thinking about it. But that's not tax planning. You know, tax preparation is a rear view mirror exercise. We're looking in the past. And those things in the past have already happened. If you took a distribution from a retirement account, you cannot undo it at this point. If you took it in 2020, it's going to be taxed. You got a 1099. If you had a capital gain distribution from a mutual fund in December, it's going to be taxed if it's not an IRA. I mean, you cannot undo those things. Tax planning, to the contrary, is looking forward to the future and saying, what can you do to reduce taxes in the long term? Tax planning is a much, much more powerful exercise than tax preparation. Now, I'm not a CPA. We don't do tax returns, but we do do tax planning where we're looking forward. And it's very, very important. As I said, income taxes are the largest expense most of you and I will ever have in our lifetime. What can we do to reduce it? Because I'm telling you, the tax bill is coming. And, you know, what is your plan to reduce the impact of that on your retirement? 
in your hopefully successful retirement. Now, we can help you with a retirement, a t not just retirement, a tax analysis. So if you're interested in us looking at that for you or even having a comprehensive second opinion, you know, I've found nobody has a monopoly on good ideas. If you'd like a second opinion or to get a view on your tax plan, uh, you can go online and email us at, bro at, at our website, broganfinancial.com, and click to contact us. You can also give us a call, 865-862-6800. We can talk to you about doing a review and talking to you about what your plans are. Now, when we come back, I'm going to talk about if you're over age 50, maybe you're still working. What are some other things you can do? to be saving on your income taxes. And then later in the show, I've got a little bit of a special treat where, you know, we typically thinking of think of aging as a bad thing, but I'm going to talk about the important birthdays you have as you age that could really make a positive impact if you know how to incorporate them into your financial plan. So we got a lot of more great stuff. Don't go away as you listen to More Living with Jim Brogan right here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Welcome back to News Talk 98.7's Brogan Financial Studios, where Jim Brogan is coming to you live with important news and advice to help you achieve your dream retirement. Get ready to learn and live. Here's your host, Jim Brogan. We're talking about income taxes this week. You know, it's, it's hard to believe we're in March. I know I'm ready for spring. But this is the time of year we start working on our tax preparation. So it's all in our minds. So I'm talking about tax planning today, which is very different than tax preparation. Now, I do want to mention, we try to put as much great content online as we possibly can to help you make informed and prudent decisions that can impact the quality of your life. If you'll go to broganfinancial.com, you can sign up for my weekly e-newsletter. We'll email it right out to you, and you can stay in tune to all the content I release on a weekly basis, blogs, video blogs, uh, podcasts, some of them three to five minutes, plus this show, the entire show. So I'd love for you to follow us so you can, again, make wise decisions. Now, in this segment, I want to talk about some tax strategies for if you're over age 50, maybe you're still working. Uh, and of course, if you're over age 50, you may not be working. But what are some other things you can do to get some tax breaks you may be entitled to? Starting at age 50, there are some new tax breaks that many workers can take advantage of. Now, one of those big tax breaks is with your 50 and older, you can contribute more money to your retirement accounts. And that is a big tax planning opportunity. You know, in a 401k or other company plan, typically you can do up to $26,000 per year. If you're not, uh, if you're not, 50, you can only do 19,500. So you get that extra catch-up provision, and then you get an extra thousand dollars a year in your IRA, so you can do 7,000 a year. Uh, if you're self-employed, 
and you do not have any employees, uh, you can do what's called a solo 401k, and you can put in up to $63,000 if you're over age 50 and get a full tax deduction on all of it. Or you could put in 26000 into a solo 401k and have it be Roth 401k and then put the rest of it, which would amount to, what is that? 27, no, 30, whatever that is, 33, God, I can't do math this morning, $37,000. You could put in your traditional 401, solo 401k. So again, you could put 26 in Roth and, and thir- another 37 in traditional 401k. What a tremendous opportunity for people that are self-employed. But the bottom line is at 50, you can put more in. Now, if you're 65 and older, you may not be aware of this if you're not there yet, but you can do a larger deduction. When you're in the year you're 65 or older, you get an extra $1,300 on your standard deduction. That was true before the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, and it's true after the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. So again, not all these birthdays are bad when you're aging. Sometimes they give us some nice financial planning opportunities, and you do get a larger standard deduction. Now, if you're self-employed in retirement, you can deduct, or maybe I'll say you may be able to deduct, Medicare Part B and Part D premiums. If you're retired and your spouse is still working, they may be able to contribute to a spousal IRA on your behalf and get a tax deduction. Now, there's an income limit on getting a tax deduction on a spousal IRA, but they can at least put money in an IRA. It's just whether or not you can get the deduction. Uh, And and the the income limit's pretty high. I mean, for a married couple, it's up near $200,000. And, of course, at any age, you can take a $250,000 tax-free gain from the sale of your house if you've met requirements for the house, including you've lived there for two out of the last five years. And for a married couple, that's $500,000. And this is a very effective tax planning tool for many people. You know, you sold a house, moved into another house. Let's say you've got a rental house or a vacation house and you live there predominantly for two years. Then you've got a lot more flexibility of then selling that house. So there are a lot of things you can do. Now, ultimately, when we get into real sticky things like that, um, I, I would urge you to check with your CPA on a specific strategy like that that's going to help you file your tax return. And can you take, can you ignore the gain from a sale of a house, can you, you know, be able to deduct something specific? That is more of a tax preparation question. I would urge you again to check with your CPA. But in terms of tax planning, all these other things, how much can you contribute to your retirement account, deductibility of premiums when you're retired uh, uh, or, or still working, you know, there's just a lot of things you may be able to do. So it's important that you have a team of people that can work with you on all of these elements. Now, at my office, at Brogan Financial, our job is to be kind of the point of contact that pulls it all together. So, you know, I'm not a CPA. We don't do tax returns. And sometimes if you're getting into a nitty-gritty thing like, is this item deductible? That's more of a tax preparation question for a CPA. 
Our role is the tax planning looking forward. And then to work with your CPA at getting them all the information that they need to help you with the tax preparation and the potential maximization of deductibility of certain items. Then, you know, I'm certified in estate and trust services, but I'm not an attorney. So there's a limit to how deeply I can go on estate planning. We work with attorneys in the Knoxville area or even with your attorney to make sure everything fits together. We do do beneficiary designations. You know, typically the financial advisor does the beneficiary designation. The problem on a retirement account, you know, when you set up an IRA, you, you know, they ask you to name a beneficiary and you usually don't even think twice about it. Well, the problem is that beneficiary designation is controlling who gets what. In other words, it supersedes the will. Well, how many pages is a will? I mean, it's usually 8, 10, maybe 12 pages, whereas your beneficiary designation is a little box on a form. So that needs special care and treatment, yet financial advisors are not attorneys, don't necessarily always understand all those little caveats. We make sure all that fits together. We, in many cases, do customized beneficiary designations that cover more things that, you know, not just a box on a form. And I don't have, you know, I've done whole radio shows on, on beneficiary designations on IRAs and things like that. So we don't have time for that today. What, what I'm just bringing in is you have a team of people and then at Brogan Financial, we make sure everything fits together. You've got to have a thread that connects all of these things together and somebody with the knowledge base that can connect all those dots. You know, too many times I have people come into my office and, you know, you did your ta they did their tax preparation over here, which really wasn't tax planning forward-looking. And then they do their estate planning over here and maybe their investment advice is over here. It's not all pulled together and, and on a common thread in a comprehensive financial plan. And that's what you really, I think most people in retirement really need. Now, whether that's us or someone else, I think it's important to be able to have somebody pull all of that together with a common thread and connect all those dots. Now, that is what we do. So if you want more information about us, you can go to our website at broganfinancial.com. You can also give us a call at 865-862-6800. Now, when we come, up, come back, I'm going to talk about other very, very important birthdays that really make an impact as you age uh, that you need to be aware of. Things like 59 and a half, Medicare age at 65. What are the full retirement age numbers? You know, more of these ages. Now, I've talked about tax breaks as you age, but now we're going to talk about other potential benefits as you age that you want to be very, very aware of before you get to those uh, magic numbers. So stay tuned. This is More Living with Jim Brogan right here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI.
Welcome back to News Talk 98.7's Brogan Financial Studios, where Jim Brogan is coming to you live with important news and advice to help you achieve your dream retirement. Get ready to learn and live. Here's your host, Jim Brogan. Thanks for tuning in this week. More Living with Jim Brogan is on every Saturday at 9 a.m. and again at 3 p.m. So if you ever miss part of it, you can catch it later. Uh, We also podcast at broganfinancial.com. Please check us out. we got a lot of great information that can help you with your retirement and financial planning. Now, I want to talk about some very important birthdays. I've already talked about age 50 and age 72 from a tax perspective. But let's talk about some other ages that are important and you know, maybe give you some great opportunities, but you also need to be able to make wise decisions. So the first age I'm going to talk about is age 59 and a half. Now, 59 and a half, what many of you may be aware of is that that's the age at which you can take money out of a retirement account without paying a tax, excuse me, without paying a penalty. You absolutely have to pay tax anytime you take money out of a retirement account, but there's no penalty if you take it out after 59 and a half. Now, there are some ways to get money out pre-59 and a half without a penalty and some exceptions. I don't have time to get into all those, but once you're 59 and a half, the IRS says you can take money out. The bigger part of that, though, at 59 and a half is more and more often, if you work for a private company and you have a 401k, they'll allow you more often than not to roll your 401k into an IRA even if you're still working there. Now, don't misunderstand me. You can still continue to contribute to the 401k. Contributing to 401k is critically important, and you can continue to get any employer match. But as you get closer to retirement, your ability to take control of the investment options becomes even more and more critical because the closer you get to retirement, the more you need to be thinking about where you're going to pull income from and having good income options in your investment plan and how you're going to get greater diversification to minimize volatility in your investments because you're closer to retirement. You're closer to drawing money from your investments. In a no-load brokerage IRA, no-load means there's not a commission for someone, which I'm a big fan of that. In a no-load brokerage IRA, you can pick from almost anything you want. In a 401k, you might have 10, 12, 15 different choices. So in terms of investment flexibility, in many cases, an IRA offers a lot greater flexibility. Now, you do have to consider the costs and the availability of investments that are in your 401k and also in an IRA. So you always have to look at that. But it is an age at 59 and a half in which many of you, if you're in a 401k, are going to have a lot more flexibility of how you invest your money. Doing a direct rollover to an IRA is not a taxable event if it's done right. Okay. Now, again, I'm not saying you definitely need to do it, but you're going to have a lot more flexibility. Another age, of course, is 65. 65 is Medicare age. And, you know, many of you will need to come on Medicare at 65 or else you'll be penalized when you do come on Medicare. And there's Part A, which is the hospitalization. That's typically provided for you. There's no cost for that to you. There's cost to the taxpayer. There's no cost to you. Part B covers every, you know, everything else. It covers doctors, labs, outpatient, all that kind of stuff. And that does cost you money. And the more you make, the more your premium is. If you have an employer plan, 
and you're still working past 65, do you have to come on Medicare? Well, that depends on your employer plan. You need to check with your employer plan. They may, some employer health plans make you go on Medicare. Some do not require you to go on Medicare. Now, some people might say, well, what about Part A? It's free. And so a lot of times employers will encourage you to come on Part A, but you're not required to. The only issue is if you go on Part A, you're no longer eligible to make contributions to a health savings account. And one of the great things about a health savings account is the contribution is tax deductible and the distribution is tax-free if it's used for eligible medical expense. It's like the best of both worlds between a traditional IRA and a Roth IRA. So understanding the Medicare rules and the Medicare impacts are also very important. Now the other big age is what is your full retirement age for Social Security? It would be between 66 and 67. And when should you draw that Social Security? You know, the difference in your benefit at age 62, like how much does it grow if you draw it at 62 versus if you wait and draw it at 70. You know, you can draw it any time before then. If you draw before your full retirement age, there's an income test. But the, the increase is over 75% for waiting. So, but can you afford to wait? How do spousal strategies and widow-widower benefits affect all this? The Social Security election is a very important one. Certainly, I've done entire radio shows on that as well. But these are some important ages that you need to be aware of that give you opportunities where you need to make wise decisions. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. We've discussed your wealth because greater wealth provides for more living so you can live the best years of your life your way. Check us out online, broganfinancial.com. Tune in every week on this station at 9 a.m. and again at 3 p.m. every Saturday. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you, Chris, Engineering the Board. You've been listening to More Living with Jim Brogan right here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. The views expressed by Jim Brogan and his guests are not that of Cumulus Media. Any discussion of financial, legal, and tax planning strategies is not intended to be individualized advice and is general in nature. Always consult with your advisor for advice specific to your needs. This program's content does not represent a recommendation of any particular security, strategy, or investment by Jim Brogan or Brogan Financial Incorporated.